0: What well, she she's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. What well, she says, she's
1: magical, mystical, powerful.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Wheeler in studio with Christine Bentley. And you are listening to What She Said right here on 105.9 The Region. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union. Expecting more for your money? That's wealth esteem. So, Christine, we have a, a, a terrific show lined up for you today, as always. But first, we want to remind everyone about a good contest we have going on. North America's largest touring magic show, Masters of Illusion, is coming back to Toronto April 1st at Roy Thompson Hall. So if you love jaw-dropping grand illusions, we have a bunch of family four-packs to give away. Each is valued at $240. So go to whatshesaidtalk.com and click on Contest to enter. And no, Christine, you can't enter. Okay. Are you sure? I'm positive. <laughs> uh, do you say sorry a lot, Kate? I do, but I, I'm not sure if it's um, I do too a Canadian thing that I've grown accustomed to, or as as the guest is going to say, it may, may be a female thing over male. Well, we are mocked all over the world for being so apologetic about everything, mm-hmm. stuff
3: that we, you know, apologetic about the weather, apologetic That the sky is blue or
2: whatever. So I don't know if it's a women thing. Well, Professor Maya says women have a tendency to apologize more than men, and they do it for different reasons. So we are going to find out why we apologize so much and what we can say instead of I'm sorry I can think of a couple of ripe choices there, but probably not live on the air. So you'll have to stay tuned to find out. (laughs)
3: What do you do when you can't define why you're not at peace? Hmm. Former international model Melissa Pallister is going to tell us about her new book called Empower Her, From Runway to Runaway. And it's about what happened when she decided to switch career directions. Melissa found out that she had been suffering from postpartum depression And she'll be here with some tips for families going through exactly the same thing.
2: Now, we're also going to be talking to a Toronto woman who was recently diagnosed with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, just five years after her husband was. Now, the scary part is, in most cases, NAFLD shows no symptoms, and you can be living silently within you. So Dr. Hemant Shah from the Toronto General Hospital will also be here to tell us who is at risk. And according to a new survey conducted by the Canadian Liver Foundation, a whopping 56% of Canadian do not know that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease could lead to liver cancer, the need for a liver transplant, and even death. Ooh, pretty
3: scary. Film critic Ann Brody will be here with the latest movie and TV reviews. And closing out the show in our live studio sessions today, we have indie rock artist
2: Havens performing his latest single, and it's something. Yeah, he's great. Now, remember to check out whatshesaidtalk.com, where you can find links to download our free Apple podcast, watch interviews, read some of our blog posts, and connect with us.
4: Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to
5: whatshesaidtalk.com.
0: Meridian, how can I help you?
5: I heard you're offering a 1.98% two-year fixed mortgage rate. Yes, sir. So for each year, I only pay 1.98%?
0: That's right. You only pay 1.98% for each year.
5: Okay. I want to lock it down right now in case this is a joke.
0: It's not. You can apply at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch.
5: Wow, that's easy.
0: Meridian, innovation that works for you.
5: Rate subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 1.98% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage.
2: This is 105.9 The Region. Well, According to a new survey conducted by the Canadian Liver Foundation, 56% of Canadians do not know that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease could lead to liver cancer, the need for a liver transplant, and even death. Joining us today to help spread awareness about NAFLD, or NAFLD, is Dr. Hamant Shah from the Toronto General Hospital and Melanie Braga. Welcome to What She Said.
6: Thank you for having us. Thank you. Okay,
2: so NAFLD, uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, affects more than 7 million Canadians, adults to children. So it happens when too much fat is stored in the liver of someone who drinks little to no alcohol. Now, Melanie, you're from Toronto. Yes. And you were recently diagnosed um, with the disease five years after your husband was diagnosed with the same disease. Did you ever think that this what happened to you
6: or to you both? No. And, and part of the diagnosis was shock. Like, how could I have let that happen to me? Because I was so aware of how my husband got diagnosed. So it was, um, it was shocking to everyone that it occurred to me, too. How did he get diagnosed? Um, well, he already has uh, another liver disease called okay. Wilson disease, which is a hereditary disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was part of his um, annual checkup, and it came up in uh, his blood work. Well, I,
3: I'm already in shock about seven million Canadians. I mean, it could be more. I mean, I could have it. You could have it. I mean, how do we, how if there's no symptoms? It's one out of five people. That's in that's crazy. Um, how, how would we know? Is there a test?
5: So, it is the most common liver disease in the world, in all likelihood. Uh, in Canada, we think 20 to 25 percent of people have fatty liver, but in some jurisdictions in the United States, that might be 40 or 50 percent. There are no symptoms. And there is no specific test, which is often why it's difficult to diagnose. But the most common way that I think people are being diagnosed is if they have an abdominal ultrasound that includes their liver, often for some other reason, a bit of pain, discomfort. And then on the ultrasound, it's discovered that there's fat in the liver. And that makes the diagnosis.
3: Well, do you think given the high incidence that that should be part of a physical? Because I'm not sure what the treatment is. Um,
5: so I think that you make an excellent point that there needs to be more awareness about it. I think I would make the point that the, the fat in the liver is no different than the fat that people accumulate in other parts of their body. Typically, for most of us, myself included, it's the abdominal fat that we get uh, as we get older. So I think the way to think about fatty liver out there is that it's part and parcel of you know the, the lifestyle choices that we make and the metabolic risk factors we accumulate as a result
2: okay so but but when most people think of liver disease you think of alcohol as the, as the only risk factor yeah. um, but instead of food or maybe inactivity so so who is at risk
5: we are all at risk and especially individuals who are overweight who mm-hmm. have an elevated body mass index they would be the group that's at highest risk uh, for example if diabetics, diabetics would probably have a risk of about 80% of having fatty liver. So it, it goes along with a lot of the other lifestyle uh, metabolic diseases that are out there.
3: So does it have something to do with diet and exercise? I, not, not just BMI?
5: Yes. So the, the belief, and, and we're not really sure what causes fatty liver uh, on such a broad scale, but it likely has to do with what we eat and probably most to do with processed sugar and carbohydrate intake. Sugar really is bad. I think so, and I think that's why we've seen on the most Mm -hmm. recent Canada Food Guide update that there's been a move away from a lot of carbohydrate consumption. Uh, But it's processed sugars that came into our diet in the 1970s and 1980s that have led to this disease, which really didn't even exist in the 1950s and 1960s.
2: It's all part of that low-fat. Everything was light and low-fat, but there was so much added sugar to make it look good. Is that is that right?
5: To make it taste good, make exactly. It, um, taste good. Yeah. That's why I look good, <laughs> taste
3: good, yeah. Well, for example, looking at now, big fad, the keto diet, right, which is high fat, but no carbs or sugar. So would that help or would that be equally bad for this? So I th- Because it's a lot of fat.
5: So there... It, it's a good question. I don't think we really know the answer, um, mm-hmm. for me to tell you definitively one way or the other. In the, from the perspective of diets that have been widely studied, uh, probably the best studied diet that I recommend to my patients regularly is a Mediterranean-style Mediterranean diet. diet.
2: That's what my doctor is you know, like, it's well, a, just it's do a this.
5: It's a lower carbohydrate diet, higher protein, higher fat diet. And if you look at uh, studies of fatty liver, for example, individuals who are able to adhere or have a Mediterranean diet after the diagnosis and lose a bit of weight as a result of that, actually the fatty liver goes away.
2: So Melanie, what's,
5: how did your life change after the diagnosis?
6: A whole lifestyle change. So I made sure what I was eating was healthier um, as a busy working parent. Um, I got into the hustle and bustle of just grabbing something quick to eat and, mm-hmm. um, You know, and it's sometimes it's just me by myself because my husband works different shifts. So that extra pressure, and then working. Um, I have a blog that I write. So busy. So my comfort food was the 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 fat food and the fried food, um, and a lot of pop. I used to drink lots of pop, thinking that that's what I needed for that energy to keep with my lifestyle. Uh, But at the end, all that kind of destroyed me inside. Um, so that was the consequence of of getting that quick you know french fry or mm-hmm. that pop thinking that I needed that to help my family I needed that energy to keep going but really um it wasn't so now you've done a complete yes I'm very careful with what I eat uh going out is the hardest um I want that french fry but I'll order a salad instead and I feel bad that everyone else is enjoying that french fry except me but I'm doing it for me for a better life and to live longer because that's what I want to live longer and I exercise more do you feel better Yes, much better. A lot more energy. I can keep up with my four year old, um, and she has tons of energy. Uh, I'm not as tired. Um, yeah, it's just a, a huge change. How has your liver changed? I'm 85% in the clear.
2: That's amazing. In, yeah. in six months.
6: In six months. So
2: it is reversible completely. Yes. Completely? Like Comple- totally?
5: There are different stages of severity of fatty liver. So some people have fat in their liver that doesn't actually injure the liver. And then there are people who have a more severe condition, which we call NASH, uh, and not alcoholic steatohepatitis, if you want to get really nerdy. But uh, it, that condition can cause progressive liver injury. And that's when people end up seeing doctors like me, who are liver specialists, to Grade the severity of that injury and think about actual therapies for it.
2: Well, the liver is an, is an incredible organ. I lost a third of my liver in a stabbing attack, and I didn't. I mean, it basically regrew. So, I mean, it, it's it's incredible what this organ can do.
5: Oh, it's it it's a stem cell rich organ. So, the story I tell, or the 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 interesting anecdote about the liver i usually tell my patients is if for people who donate their livers to someone else for a transplant 60% of their liver gets taken it grows back in 6 weeks
2: see <laughs> as i know now i have sometimes i have an ultrasound and they go Oh you have a scar on your liver it's like yeah, that's nothing to worry about that's just where it was like cut out so but it has it has come yeah. back so it's it's good so March is liver Health Month and the Canadian liver Foundation is urging all Canadians to find out if they are at risk of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease by visiting liver.ca dot uh, slash check your engine and you can take an interactive quiz and receive. Practical tips to better your liver health every day. What would you say people should say to their doctors if they're concerned?
5: I think if people are concerned, they should have a conversation with their doctors about what are some simple changes they can make in their lifestyle to improve their liver health. I, simple things that people can do is cutting out the snacking at night. That's a killer. Uh, why? You know, why? At, why? I at love night? snacking because at night. Snacks at night are usually high calories, lots of sugar. And that's when I and, have my chocolate. And you're going <clears throat> to sleep afterwards, so they all get converted oh, so you're to
2: not fat, burning it off.
5: Yeah. Um, the other thing I would recommend is uh, coffee. Coffee is good for the liver. Good Yay, for prevention there of cardiovascular you
3: <laughs> disease. About <laughs> wine? Uh,
5: I I would say in moderation, uh, a bit of wine is okay as part of an overall healthier dietary lifestyle. Mm-hmm. The, the, the key word there is moderation. I know. I, know. I know.
3: Your idea of moderation and mine might be very <laughs> different.
5: And maybe most importantly, make sure you have a primary care provider that you see regularly that does that keeps tabs on you for things like diabetes, high blood pressure, because all of these diseases go together with fatty liver. Now so
3: Melanie, if you had fatty liver, would
5: you have high blood pressure? You may, but if you have high blood pressure, you have a high chance of having fatty liver.
2: Okay, Melanie, what would you like everyone to know
6: to get themselves checked, it's very important to do the physical um, and ask the doctor to check the liver. Uh, it never hurts. Uh, like Fatty liver can be prevented also, so make better, healthy choices. That would be my advice.
2: Well, Dr. Hammond Shah and Melanie Braga, thank you very much for uh, informing us all today. Thank you. Thank you. you.
4: What she said said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. We'll be right back
3: tell you about my friend Alfred. Alfred has truly revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You see, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services are here to help. They include wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your garments off with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA, and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more today at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time
7: discount by entering the promo code WHATSHESIT. Hi, I'm Stephanie Krasik, founder of StrainPrint. If you want to learn more about cannabis and are curious about it and maybe are thinking about using it for yourself, check out strainprint.ca, check out our community that we have, which is filled with wonderful people and great conversations, and download the app StrainPrint for free at Google Play or the App Store.
2: Looking for a better brunch? We found it for you at Draco Restaurant, inside the spectacular brand new Toronto Marriott Markham on Enterprise Boulevard. All your delicious brunch favorites, plus signature cocktails, every Sunday from 10 till 2. Take our word for it, you'll love the space and you'll love the food. It's easy to reserve now on opentable.ca or call 905-489-1400. Elevate Your Brunch, Sundays at Draco. This is 105.9 The Region. So here's the question of
3: the day. Is the need to over-apologize more of a female thing? And regardless of who does it more, why are we doing it? (laughs) Our next guest says women do in fact have a tendency to apologize more and do it for different reasons Mm -hmm. than men. Professor Maya holds a PhD in sociology from McMaster University, where she also teaches, and is in studio with us now. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you so much. Now, you're also the author of Hey, Lady, Stop (laughs) Apologizing and Other Career Mistakes Women Make. So tell us... Where did this obsession with apologies come from?
8: Okay, so I was finishing my degree and I was attending an academic conference, a five-day conference. I was sitting in the audience, about 500 of us there, and there was a panel discussion. I was listening to fellow PhDs, women at the pinnacle of their career, women who had published hundreds of academic articles, dozens of books, and all they had to do was introduce themselves. Literally, that was it. And the first woman took the microphone and she said, I don't know what I could possibly add to such a distinguished panel. And immediately, I thought, is she, what? What? What is happening? You are the world expert. If you don't know what you're doing here, why am I listening to you? And I thought, okay, you know. I, I she's do, nervous. Yeah, whatever. It, yeah, exactly. Second woman takes the microphone and she says, oh, my gosh, you took the words right out of my mouth. I thought they sent the email to the wrong person third woman, fourth woman, same thing. Where there was a woman at that conference, an apologetic tone was sure to follow. Where there was a woman at that conference, there was a minimization of her accomplishments and a deflection of praise. And I found it enraging. Oh my goodness. I found it enraging, but I also found it heartbreaking. But what I noticed at that conference for the first time was It mirrored exactly what I was seeing in my undergraduate classrooms with my 18-year-olds and my 25-year-olds. And then I thought, oh, my goodness, it's all of us. These are women, tenured profs, world experts, and yet they were doubting. They were doubting themselves. And that's what I thought. Oh, I have to do something. I have to write a book. And that's how my whole career changed because of that conference.
3: Yeah, so I, I, I mistook that. I thought, apologies, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Which is I, a very Canadian which thing. Which is a very mm-hmm. Canadian thing. But, you know, we've, we've heard this a million times, you and I, Kate, mm. about men and women looking at a career posting, a job posting. Oh, yes. Men will go, oh, I can do two of those 12 things. I'm good. I've uh-huh. got this. Women uh-huh. will look at it and go, I can only do 11. I'm not applying. Yeah. So it's that self-doubt absolutely apologizing for not being what perfect or superwoman or
8: yeah it's that expectation that if we're not going to nail it the first time then we're not going to try if we don't fill every single criteria on that job posting then it's not for us it's also deep down inside a little bit of the imposter syndrome this fear Mm -hmm. this doubt that everywhere we go everyone's an expert except for us Mm-hmm. And that really sort of plants seeds of doubt. And then you start internalizing these issues. So when you make a mistake, oftentimes women think we are the mistake. We fail. We think we are the failure. And if you do that enough, you really start to internalize that. And it's it's tied to how often we are apologizing. The first word a woman says in my classroom before asking a question is oh sorry this is going to sound silly sorry this may be stupid and i've done it yeah or in meetings sorry could i just interrupt sorry i just have an idea sorry 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 could this could this stem from childhood
2: where someone was made to feel wrong when they were young and and or maybe fear of punishment because they think they got something wrong? Uh,
8: absolutely. A lack of confidence can stem from a lot of different things. Early childhood experiences, overly critical parenting behaviors, uh, childhood trauma can impact that. But then you get into the classroom setting and it can be impacted by your teachers who are more likely to call on boys than they are girls. Which is why I sent my daughters to
2: all girls schools. Mm-hmm. But I didn't yes. want
8: them to, to feel that way. Yeah, but it's also about a lack of representation in every single thing we see on media, in books, in children's books, in movies, in commercials and brochures. It's like everywhere you go, you see a representation of a powerful man. And yet when we present as confident, when a woman presents as confident, she's read immediately as what? Cocky, conceited, aggressive, too much. Mm-hmm. And then there's also all that gender bias where we ourselves as women clock another woman as, ooh, that's too much. Who is she? Where is she going with all of that? Research shows women are tougher on other women. When you have two resumes that come your way, one's Howard, one's Heidi, they're identical. The woman interviewer is more likely to hire, to hire Howard because Heidi seems a little too much. Right. And so we have to recognize that bias ourselves so that when another woman presents as confident, we start thinking, yes, how can I get some of that? How can I learn from her? So how do we get past
2: this feminine modesty and, and learn to acknowledge our own accomplishments?
8: Easiest tip. Say thank you. Say thank you when you are complimented or praised on anything from the color of your hair to your outfit to a job well done at work. Thank you. And then zip it. And then, oh, my goodness, resist the urge to then a self-deprecating joke, a little bit of
2: humor. Oh, you look fabulous in that dress. Where'd you get it? Oh, this whole thing? Oh, I've had it for
8: ages. Absolutely. Or even worse, this whole thing, I got it at Winners on clearance. Yeah. Like, what? I've done that so many times. Nobody asked you where you bought it or how much you paid. Uh But you know what that is? That's planting a seed of doubt. So then somebody's looking at you going, well... You know what? It does kind of look wrinkled. It does look a little cheap, but thanks for bringing that to my attention because we've just led with the negative. That That is that that feminine modesty, that ingrained characteristic that we should always be so highly attuned to other people's feelings. Heaven forbid we own our light, we stand our ground, and somebody else's feelings would get hurt. And I don't want that for me. I don't want that for my daughter or my undergrads or any woman listening. I don't want us to dim our light because somebody else's feelings may be hurt. So let me ask you this.
3: We all love our children. Mm-hmm. So if we have girl children or boy children, whatever, we don't want them to apologize for anything. Yeah. What are we doing subconsciously without even knowing that we're programming <laughs> them for this? Because it does. Mu- it must start at home. Or it must be fed at home or reinforced at home?
8: Absolutely, it's fed, because from a very early age, our young girls are taught to be humble, just be nice, just get along, just share, just don't hurt anybody's feelings. And there's a really big difference between over apologizing where it becomes insincere and we're just throwing away our confidence with every needless useless apology versus apologizing when it really truly matters when you have inflicted harm when you've hurt somebody apologize for that but don't apologize for interrupting somebody for wanting to have your opinion heard for you know how many times have you apologized somebody comes to your house oh sorry my house is a mess Sorry, I didn't have a chance to clean up. Sorry, I'd like to, you know. Those are those needless apologies that we can just easily switch for something more confidence-inducing.
2: So, uh, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly apologizing for, you know, the house is too messy or whatever. But then my friends say, but we came to see you. We don't care about how the house looks.
8: Yeah, but I wonder, how does it make you feel when already in your mind you're thinking, I, I have to apologize for this?
2: Is there anything else that women do to undermine their confidence when it comes to communication? Is there something else we should be aware of other than apologizing?
8: (sighs) Cataloging our mistakes instead of highlighting our progress. So often women can rattle off the last 20 mistakes they made. Remember that one time in 2007 when I messed up in that presentation? No, but again, thanks for bringing that to our attention. But yet you ask a woman, and I do this exercise in my workshops and classrooms, and I'll say, you've got two minutes Write down 10 things that you are so proud of yourself for, Ten, your top 10 accomplishments. Nobody ever fills a page. Really? No. I find never. that fascinating. Never. Because I don't want to brag it's too much or I don't know if this is good enough to highlight.
2: Okay. So the book is called Hey, Ladies, Stop Apologizing. Mm-hmm. How do people connect with you and, and get a copy of the book? It's going to be linked on on our Facebook page, our Ab- social media, and our website. But you they, tell them how to get in touch with you.
8: Thank you. So they can go on to ProfessorMaya.com. That's my website. All my Instagram handles and Twitter is at ProfessorMaya, and Maya is M A J A. Or they can um, go on to TED Talks and check out my TED Talk. It's called How Apologies Kill. Our confidence, and Ted actually just highlighted um, the TED Talk. Uh, oh, congratulations! As one of their new ideas, yeah. yes. Thank you so much. Well done. Well, well, you,
3: there you go. There you go. <laughs> let, let me just say, yes. I am waiting for you to design a course for public school. Yes, I
8: would like to that start also. To start right in you know grade two or three. Yes, and I'm doing talks in high schools, but absolutely, that is something to start them yep. young and start, start the teachers young, young. Yep. and the parents. Yes, yes, we need it. We need it because we're up against so much. We're up against so much. And so we have to start owning our accomplishments and get off the apology train.
2: So TED Talks.
3: Yeah. TED
8: Talks. So anybody who's got a granddaughter?
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Professor Maya, thank you very much for coming thank in you. and telling us all about
8: it today. Thank you so much. So what
1: she said.
4: What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back.
0: Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Have you met my friend Alfred? He's revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You know, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services is here to help. Wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your items with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code what she said this is 1059 the region
1: well saturday night at eight o'clock i know where i'm gonna go i'm gonna pick my baby up and take her to the picture show
2: well, joining us now for Saturday Night at the Movies is film critic Ann Brody. And it has been quite the week. Oh, and in celebrity man. news, Felicity Huffman and Laurie Loughlin are in a lot of trouble. And likely only the tip of the
9: iceberg. This is what surprised me that there's only two Hollywood celebrities on this huge list of 62 people or something mm-hmm. who cheated for their children's easy access into Ivy League schools. And that included and things LA. like doctoring L- doctoring sats, photoshopping their people on athletes' bodies. <laughs> yeah, to <laughs> get hilarious. the to get
2: the empty spots um yeah. for the and scholarships,
9: course, for the sports scholarship spots. And the irony is that um, uh, Lori Lachlan's one of her daughters. She paid five hundred dollars for each. Fa- of not five hundred dollars. Five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a difference. Um, and the daughter, Olivia Jade, Olivia on-
2: Jade Gianulli is like social media star in her own right, boasting one point three million followers on Instagram. Although I noticed that she has deactivated comments off on her Instagram after too. people were chiming in. Oh, so you don't care about school? You don't want to go to school? And you've taken a spot. Of somebody who really does the ultimate white privilege move, right? Yeah, no So kidding. she's
3: worked for uh, Amazon Prime, for Direct Club, Smile Direct Club. You know the
9: Invisalign things. Oh my yeah. goodness yeah, gracious! I, like she needed shocking, and she wanted to crew. She's never crewed in her life. She's no, she not wanted athlete. to go to the crew parties. Yeah, <laughs> because you know, you know, you guys. I'm not interested in school. So what? What's this going to do to uh, both their careers? Are they toast? <laughs> Lori Laughlin is in a an incredible... Two very successful Hallmark film series. One shoots in North Bay, and she was up here, so she had to return to face some music. I don't know. In her case, I don't know. Felicity Huffman, Huffman oh. an Oscar winner.
2: And why isn't William H. Macy charged her husband? And, and yeah, that's yeah. an odd thing. well, I'm not... I'm, and, so the other shoe's going to drop there, because they kept on referring to... A telephone calls that were taped with a,
9: cooper- you know, a witness who was cooperating. It couldn't be him. Well, it might be the daughter. I mean, you know, the, 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 and the daughters all knew. They all knew what was going on. Everybody knew. It's really vile. Okay, let's move on to uh, movies because
2: that's there'll probably be like more breaking news news on that one. so National Canadian Film Day is just a month away.
9: It's what does the that best mean day. We've talked about it before. It's one day set aside on the calendar year where all the theaters all all mostly all libraries there's eight hundred films being screened across Canada libraries, old age homes. Um, military bases, embassies overseas, where people can watch Canadian films for nothing. Oh, good. It's great. You can just walk to your local library, pull up a chair, and watch. And it's all day long. It's so exciting. It's my favorite thing. Plus, students, and it's going to be on the blog. It is on the blog. Students can sign in to watch on their computers from home. And regular folk, there's instructions as to how to watch it on normal media, like TV and streaming. So it's a great time. Hmm. What about Ghost Town Anthology? Oh, that's so good. Is it? Oh, wow. It's Denis Coté. He's a French-Canadian director, and he made one of my very favorite films, Best Year, which is a silent, no no words in an animal on a farm where you just look at the animals. You'd like it. Uh, Maybe you'd like it, Kate. But it's very moody as well. Um, So this takes place in a small Quebec town, where people are starting to die, and all these masked people show up on the edge of town wearing, like, corn husk masks. It's terrifying. Everything is seen through a blizzard. So more and more people show up, and I don't know if I can tell you this. is just a spoiler. But just let me tell you, it gets you so in this groove of somber, philosophical, what is life? Okay. What about yeah. wo- a woman at war? Oh, yeah. Let, let me get this straight. Haldor Gerhardt's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stars in a role that really, if you break it down, in four roles, she plays uh, an eco-warrior who goes out into the mountains of Iceland mm-hmm. with her bow and arrow and knocks out the electric grid as a protest. And of course, she's eluding every kind of official force that's after her, including the FBI, and she hides in animal carcasses, she climbs into caves, and she keeps doing it, and she's not caught. At home, she's a yoga teacher and choir leader, you know, lovely girl in town. <laughs> and, and then she also plays her twin sister, who shows up when she's thinking, oh, you've always wanted to, uh, to adopt a child, here's your chance. And her fourth iteration is a musical band playing her conscience that shows up from time to time, judging her. <laughs> okay, and what about Idris Elber? He seems very busy. Yeah, he is very busy. He's he's um, directed Yardie, a new series that's out, but it's not that great. Uh, and he's replacing um, Will Smith in Suicide Squad, which will shoot here in Toronto. Yay! Yay! And, uh, but he has this charming series called uh, Turn Up Charlie. He plays a, a once big DJ on Hard Times, and his, all his friends are wealthy. So one of them hires him to be his daughter's Manny. She's a difficult child. She's around 10. Her, her parents ghost her and helicopter her. So she's very confused, and she, but she's very smart. And she fights back. The two of them create a bond. I love this series. I'd watch the whole thing if I had time.
2: Hmm. Well, you have more movie and TV reviews, as you mentioned, up now on talk.com. But we are now going to listen to an interview that you did with the star of Woman at War. Now I'm going to try to say this <laughs> Haldora Gerhostotir. Okay, we'll do that. Let's take a listen. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
10: <laughs>
8: Your
9: character is a warrior, a total inspiration to women everywhere, to everyone, but particularly to women. Here she is making a stand, doing what she thinks is right at great, great peril. We all have an activist inside of us, but that
10: isn't active. You know. So in that sense, she's yes, she's very like inspiring this character. She actually plans it and does it, everything we have in our minds. And the director, Benedict, he told me many years ago that what he need, would need to do, and then he da 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 and told what actually Hadla is doing in the film. I need to go and I have to take out the highlight lines and I have to da-da-da-da-da. And when you come back to Ra and you don't find me, it's because they're looking for me and I'm, you know. So he's, uh, for me, it's like uh, uh, he couldn't do it because he had family. He didn't want to offer his life because he has family. So as a filmmaker and author and a director, he put it into our story. So uh, yeah, so, so for me it is like, uh, how do you find the way for your activist to become visible or to get active? And I really think Benedict managed with this film.
9: That's incredible. So he had this whole plan in mind and now he's transferred it to your character who has a whole plan in mind. Right up to the point of what does she do to make a sudden escape? Does she get in an animal carcass? Mm -hmm. Does she get in a cave? Does she run? Mm -hmm. It was breathtaking. So the film went
10: into this, uh, was used like to help the uh, awareness of uh, how important untouched nature and how important it, it is not to let big industry rule our decisions by showing us some money that is so tiny little money for them and but for a farmer that has never had any money in his life this, this amount of money becomes so big but what happened is that because Iceland is really split up to uh, um, we can say right left or we can say green, not so green or we can say uh, um people that believe in the workers uh, way to do things and others that want to be more fil- philosophical about things or you know. it's always like this dualism about things uh, the, the film is actually would be very great to show to start a dialogue a real dialogue about it but it was used in one direction and it meant that Many people don't want to see the film in Iceland because when you put, when you start a conversation like this, it is very important that you walk kind of like softly up to people. And, and I think if you want to get true message through, you have to tell a good story. So people want to listen and open up and then you send in the message and this is how you do what you do as a performer in the theater you make people like you or laugh or ta ta da, da they start to relax and then you like to be or not to be, you know. Then you go for the deep thing and you, and, you, and the audience sits there crying. They will not start crying until, unless you make them open up or trust you in the beginning and start to relax. And this is a little bit what we failed in Iceland, even though the course was very good because it was about something that was like, like parallel to the film. But in, in the bigger scale, it was too fast. We should, if we want, really wanted all 300,000 Icelanders to see the film, we should not have taken part in this this war. Don't you think it's strange?
9: That is the, really strange. Yes. That is so ironic. Yeah, it's so ironic. Who would have thought?
10: Yeah, because the ones that do agree, they've already seen the film. But the ones that do, do not agree, and the ones we want to go into dialogue with, they don't come to see the film. So this is... Uh, so they don't mind if their country is completely changed. No, they they just have another mindset, and and we have to
9: well, like the farmers. You yes, yeah. Yes.
10: So so you really have to. You cannot say that they are. Uh, you can say they they haven't been uh, been educated about global warming. We need more education about global warming so that people understand. Oh, so uh, and education about uh, somehow. Uh, Putting, don't think in four years, think in 400 years, think in 100 years. When you use your vote, use your vote uh, for three generations, not only for uh, 10 years or four, you know.
9: But you know, I think women would mm. see this role that you, Hala, mm. and be inspired by her and mm. be won over. Mm-hmm. You know, start with the women. I mm. mean, those images of, Mm-hmm. You, with the bow and arrow mm-hmm. and the grid falling mm-hmm. is just sensational. Mm-hmm. You know, women, you should get a, a, a together women to see this film. Mm-hmm. And then maybe their husbands another time or, or the men in their lives or whatever. Because mm-hmm. women would be inspired. Mm-hmm. I know they would. So you should show it at women's groups and, yes, and yes. churches. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just so powerful. Um, and it's ironic for us. I mean, look. To think that Iceland is under siege like that. Yes,
10: I think there's no place on earth yeah. where there isn't somebody that has sees uh, opportunity to make a fortune there. You know, uh, no matter, follow matter what. Follow the money, right? Yeah, follow, follow the on. money. Yeah,
9: thank you. <laughs>
4: What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back.
11: Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply.
7: Hi, I'm Stephanie Krasik, founder of StrainPrint. If you want to learn more about cannabis and are curious about it and maybe are thinking about using it for yourself, check out strainprint.ca. Check out our community that we have, which is filled with wonderful people and great conversations, and download the app StrainPrint for free at Google Play or the App Store.
2: This is 105.9 The Region.
7: What
0: she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest, and
4: lovable. Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
3: Joining us now in studio is former international model Melissa Pallister, who has a brand new book out now called Empower from Runway to Runaway. And she's here to tell us all about it. Welcome to the show.
11: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
3: Now you're a full-time mom? And you're an entrepreneur, and by the age of 15, you were living out your dream of international modeling. You traveled the world, you partied with celebrities, worked with some of the best in the fashion industry, and kept going at a high pace for nine years. Tell us what happened when you decided that maybe it was time for you to shift directions.
11: I was laying on a beach in South Africa and uh, kind of ending my career decided to come home and uh, get married, have children, and start the next chapter of my life. Um, And through that, uh, ups and downs, of course, of marriage, uh, divorce, uh, four young kids, um, really finding how to get my voice and uh, be a woman on my own. So how did postpartum depression play into all this? Um, So I didn't really realize that I had postpartum depression, of course, until I was out of my marriage. Um, My father passed away uh, the same week that I got pregnant with the fourth uh, little gift. So once that happened, and some things started unraveling for me, uh, I started to realize that I was suffering with postpartum depression. What triggered that thought? I was just very out of character. I remember out the one point that I actually said it out loud, I said um, to my partner at the time, I'm sad and I'm crying all the time. I think I'm depressed. So what did you do then? Did you try to fix it yourself or did you go and seek help? I sought help. I went uh, to start counseling and that helped a lot just to put things in perspective. I think if somebody... Um, Somebody just needs to tell somebody sometimes. And that's exactly what happened. And she said, I think at this point, uh, yes, you are depressed and we need to get you some help. So once I started practicing mindfulness and going to um, counseling, paying attention to my feelings, um, things gradually started to improve.
3: What role did your experiences in the fashion industry um, sort of make it worse or make it better or or help you to empower yourself?
11: Uh, well, from being on my own when I was 15, I mean, that's pretty empowering. Um, at the time, I didn't realize, of course, how empowering that was. Learning to do things for myself, on myself, I'm as accountable, but also to the level of competition. Um, there was things in the fashion world that definitely didn't help my mental harmony uh, that would later show up as PPD.
2: I don't, I don't understand the connection there because I can understand that there's lots of aspects in, in the fashion world that could cause mental health problems, mm-hmm. um, particularly with self-esteem, body weight, that kind of body image, that kind of thing. But you had left that industry before you got I pregnant. S-
11: yes, but I still um, had those pressures, carried those pressures from that time in my life into the current place I was.
3: So what prompted you to start the Empower Her project?
11: Uh, Slowly but surely, I was, you know, posting a few things online that just resonated with me about empowerment or stepping into your own. I had started a business on my own. um, And then from there, I was noticing people are listening to me and looking up to me and asking me for advice. And I have two little girls that are watching me and looking at me. So that's when I decided, I think I could make a difference for a lot of women and a lot of families.
2: So how does it work? Explain how how the project works.
11: So the project right now, uh, my product is the new book that I have written. Mm -hmm. And talking to lots of women, I go to uh, different schools to talk to young girls. Uh, Tonight I'm speaking to um, a bunch of women on fashion at the University of Toronto, I just keep encouraging through my social media platforms and lots of people send me private messages and I hope I'm sending them the right mm-hmm. information just to get them. Sometimes it just takes someone to believe in you and that's what's happening.
3: Yeah, I I think there might be,
11: especially in this age of shaming with social media, people
3: who would say, well, look at you. I mean, you're gorgeous. You, you have no body issues. You've got this perfect life. Right. Um, you know, what's your problem? Like, I've got real problems sort of thing, you know? Um, but you're able to surpass that. So what? what is it that's relatable about you?
11: So I don't carry the shaming um, that I think that I did as a child. I'm okay to sit on social media and say, you know what, I, I had depression, and I was suffering. And just because I have this body and I seem to look perfect doesn't mean that I'm not experiencing emotional issues. Tell us,
2: um, give us a few of your thoughts, maybe your, your tips, your techniques, I guess maybe be the right word about. You know, we hear a lot about women who are trapped in the I can do it all cycle. And then they realize they can't do mm-hmm. it all, nor should they have to do it all. So how, what are some of your techniques for, for realizing that you're trapped in this cycle and how do you get out of it?
11: So I was definitely one of those women. Uh, high levels of perfectionism, and that I could do it all, and keep an immaculate home, look immaculate, and have great kids. And once you start practicing mindfulness um, and really looking at things, and the way that you talk to yourself, slowly you can change that voice in your head. I think, and that's what it what it boils down to is, you know what? The laundry can wait. No one's going to die because I haven't got that finished yet. And if I need a break, to take a break. And that's what I tell women. Um, I encourage them to have some self-compassion and do the things that they love to do.
2: Because self-care, I mean, a lot of people think self-care means going for mani-pedi or a massage. That's not what it means at all. I mean,
11: laying on your bed for 10 minutes, doing a meditation. So, and mindfulness. Explain explain to those
2: who don't really understand what mindfulness is, exactly what.
11: So, listening to yourself. Really honing in on what um, you're your body needs or your mind needs um if it doesn't feel right you don't have to do it Uh, just getting fine-tuned on who you are I think we live in a society where it's like you know we're supposed to be this way or this way or this way or this workplace calls for us to be this way and everybody is different
2: and a lot of women have trouble saying no Christine has trouble saying no. Moms especially. She will go above and beyond and say, "Why didn't you just say no to mm-hmm. hosting that function or doing that?" Just because mm-hmm. I think of a lot of it is responsibility and, and 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 guilt for women guilt. that they should be able to do it all.
11: Guilt is a huge one, you know. It control it can control your life.
3: Yeah. yeah. I think also I think there is a single mom syndrome too because mm-hmm. I was for a, a long period and I think there's something about that. So you rise to the occasion and you never drop down. You never, right. draw, you never pull yeah. back again. You know, right. you're always sort of... Addicted uh, to saying yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. And uh, I, don't, I don't see a lot of men who have that issue.
2: No. No. There you go. See? There you no. Go.
3: no. <laughs> <laughs> it's as easy as that. So this has changed your life and a lot Absolutely. of other people's.
11: Yeah.
2: So. Well, we should tell people how they can connect with you online and get a copy of Empower right. from Runway to Runaway. How does that work? So
11: they can contact me through Instagram. Uh, the Empower Project is my name. Um, and I can also give my um, email address, melissapallister at gmail.com. And the book is mm-hmm.
2: Well,
11: This is amazing. Yeah. It's yeah.
2: Uh, it's an interesting topic, and we're glad you're well. And Thank you.
11: how old are your, all your kids now? 12, 11, 9, and 6. Oh, you've got a way to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you
3: know, she's got a whole lot of teen years to go through. Exactly, all at once.
11: All those hormones. Right? Yeah. They're starting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for having me.
2: This is 105.9 The Region.
0: Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply.
7: Hi, I'm Stephanie Krasik, founder of StrainPrint. If you want to learn more about cannabis and are curious about it and maybe are thinking about using it for yourself, check out strainprint.ca. Check out our community that we have, which is filled with wonderful people and great conversations, and download the app StrainPrint for free at Google Play or the App Store.
3: Let me tell you about my friend Alfred. Alfred has truly revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You see, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services are here to help. They include wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your garments off with your concierge or at any penguin pickup location in the GTA and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more today at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code WHATSHESAID. Listening to is Taking Me Away, the new single by Havens, who joins us now in studio. Welcome back to the show.
4: Thank you so much for having me back. Good to be with you guys.
3: Well, this is the final single in the trilogy of songs you've recorded with Juno Award-winning drummer Tim Oxford. Tell us what this song is about.
4: So Taking Me Away kind of wraps up the trilogy. The first two songs also dealt with the theme of love, so Peace and Darkness was kind of talking about love from the standpoint of how love is fleeting. And then uh, fall kind of talks about the stresses and monotony of, of dating in this modern age. Mm-hmm. And then we come to uh, "Taking Me Away Now," which is a lot more positive. Ends things on a positive note. It's a song about finding true love, finding the real deal, and and just uh, going with that. Basically,
2: is this all from personal experience?
4: Somewhat, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I try and make it relatable, but yeah, I'm not going to shy away from the fact that certainly my own life experiences shape my writing, and this case is no exception.
3: So, what's coming up for you this year?
4: Well, um, very soon I'm going to be hanging out at the Junos this weekend, so I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, doing some more shows later in the year as well. And I'm about to start recording um, an album slash EP. I'm not sure totally what it's going to be yet, but there's going to be a longer form release coming out um, early 2020. And we're going to spend the bulk of the next uh, year really working on that. And it's definitely going to be the best uh, work I've put out so far. So I'm going to take my time on that.
2: Is there anyone you'd really like to work with next on a project?
4: Hmm. Well, right now I'm still working with Ian Madden and and, uh, and Tim's going to be involved as well. So my, my, my last producer as well as Tim Oxford, but... Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of producers that I really admire. Um, uh, Stephen Street is one fellow who's produced a number of artists that I really like, like like the Smiths and Morrissey and Blur.
2: Yeah, those aren't um, bad names at those all. Those aren't bad no. names.
4: So that's probably the first producer that I always think of. But um, there, there's a ton that I could rattle off. But yeah, I'm, I'm open to just networking and working with everybody. That's kind of where I'm at in this early stage of my career. So I'm, I'm totally open to that.
2: So where can people find your music?
4: Uh, the easiest place to go is musicbyhavens.com or follow us on any social media at musicbyhavens.
2: Do you think it's easier now or more crowded now that that you know YouTube, the internet, Spotify, everything is out there that people can access the music.
4: Yeah, it's, um, it's, it has its positives and its negatives for sure. I think on, on the positive side, it's very easy for an artist to release music. You don't need a record label. You don't need all this mumbo-jumbo around you. You can put it out yourself um, for relatively... Um, it's relatively inexpensive to put out your own music but on the negative side like you're saying it is a very crowded field and it really takes a long time a lot of effort and certainly a bit of money to cut through that noise so it is difficult but I think you know the cream will rise to the top that's a phrase that me Tim and Ian always use is that if you're putting out really good quality stuff it may take a while but eventually you know you will succeed so that's the philosophy I'm trying to trying to live by
2: Well, thank you very much for joining us again today. And that is it for what she said. We'll be back again next Saturday at noon, right here on 1059 The Region, and singing us out now in our live studio sessions. Here is Havens with Taking Me Away.
1: sun shone down and I knew it was over This time it was clear we both were falling out Time drags on drags far too long When you Can't make any love with the one you love. She'd laugh at everything I'd say. I know you'll treat me better. She said she'd kiss it all away. I know you'll kiss me better. Was wrong to think it was okay. Don't try and tell me it's alright. I know you're taking me. What's left is dead Let's bury this old heart Yes, I just hadn't Hadn't earned it yet, baby She'd laugh at everything I'd say I know you'll treat me better She said she'd kiss it all away I know you'll kiss me better wrong to think it was okay. Don't try and tell me it's alright. I know you're taking me away. I know we both feel it. I know you're taking I know you'll treat me better She said she'd kiss it all away I know you'll kiss me better Was wrong to think it was okay Don't try and tell me it's alright I know you're taking me away I know we both can feel it I know you're taking me away Oh, hey.
0: Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth.
8: Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you.